Hello, I'm Agnieszka Boatik. And I'm Mina Georgievich. And this is New Visions for Healing. A collaborative exploration of healing in our professional and personal lives with an intention to benefit all of the natural world. We believe that life is an intricate web where healing the individual creates emotion that heals the collective. New Visions for Healing is an independent project brought to you by the New Visions Collective. You can support us with contributions via bank transfer or PayPal. Hello at newvisions.me. To learn more, visit our website newvisions.me slash healing. If you would like to support us in other ways, you can share this podcast on your social media or comment on our channels. We would love to hear from you. When people feel like they belong, when people feel like there is actually a curated space for themselves, there are emerging leaders that show up that you would not be able to see in traditional heroic leadership spaces. Rachel D. Latimore is a deputy director of Global Community at Echoing Green, where she's responsible for the development of engagement strategy that advances leadership, coalition building, and social impact for the organization's growing community of over 850 social entrepreneurs across more than 86 countries. She has dedicated the breadth of her career to advancing social justice and economic empowerment for black, brown, and indigenous communities across the globe, centering her work around equitable support to impacted leaders in marginalized communities. In both her professional and academic careers, she has focused her research and practice around leadership and social impact through racial equity and social justice lens. Rachel D. Latimore is an adjunct assistant professor of public service at New York University's Robert Wagner Graduate School of Public Service and a doctoral candidate completing her EDD in leadership and innovation at New York University's Steinhardt School of Culture, Education and Human Development. Her research focuses on creating equitable support models for global BIPOC leaders and entrepreneurs in the social innovation community. We first met at the interviews for the Echoing Green Fellowship finalists. Shortly after, Rachel D. Latimore became our portfolio manager and we could not have imagined ourselves a more caring, genuine and dedicated mentor and support in a professional context. Working with Rachel D. gave us a totally new understanding of transformational leadership and its impact and we could experience it firsthand ourselves. This is our conversation from November 2020, where we talked about leadership and collective leadership, uh, spaces of hope and spaces of power, uh, processes of transformation and the power of community. I am beyond excited to share this conversation with you. First question that I would like to ask you is how did you yourself come to think about yourself as a leader? How was mm -hmm. your path that brought you 
into being interested in what leadership is and thinking about yourself as a leader? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's a fascinating question because I, I, I've been thinking about that very question um, frequently in the last few months or so. Um, you know, for me, leadership was um, not so much like um, like a position that you obtain or like this place that you hold, but it was more of a, a lifestyle. You know, I come from a family of, of, of primarily women who are leaders and I was placed into opportunities even at a very young age where I, I learned about um, the, the ability to be able to influence um, uh, and to encourage and to inspire and amplify, right? And when I think about leadership, all of those things still come to mind. It's not about... Um, you uh, necessarily like having to own something for the sake of control, but it really is an opportunity to serve. Like, how do you get to show up for people? How do you get to serve um, by showing and guiding and walking alongside, right? And learning, right? I, I truly believe that leadership is really about learning, which is probably why I've been on this <laughs> what feels like a lifelong journey of, of, of learning and um, advancing in my education, because the more that I'm able to stretch this learning muscle, the better I'm able to understand how do I serve people better, right? Like, how do I support and encourage and amplify and uplift? Um, and in doing so, um, it supports me as a, as, as a person myself, right? Like I learn from other people, I get a chance to have this exchange. And so um, when I think about like, how do I, how did I come to this like notion of what is leadership? Uh, those are things that I think about primarily. Mm. So walking further, this path of, uh, of leadership being, uh, encouragement, inspiration in a connection with others. One of the aspects that um, we try to explore deeper is uh, this collective aspect of leadership and thinking about how uh, we that grew up in the Western culture where leadership is often individualized. Um, yeah. I'm curious to hear your thoughts about uh, yeah, what, what does it mean for you to collectivize leadership or what collective leadership can be? Yeah, I think it's such an important um, concept to, uh, to discuss and think about because um, to your point, right, Western culture tells us that it's this heroic like form of leadership that is what advances things but when when you really kind of step back and you look at culture right you look at it from like anthropology you look at it from like a social work perspective or community development it really is communities that shift you know uh culture and uh hold like this notion of leadership right it comes from this communal uh aspect and so when you think about um why does this why does this matter why does like taking a collective approach to leadership matter and it, for, like as i think about it and, and and as i try to explain it when i'm talking to other folks about like why i prefer a collective model of leadership is because one um no one person is an island and you can't operate 
in a silo. Um, you can't operate in isolation and do that effectively if you're trying to create change, right? If you're trying to uh, support movements, if you're trying to move an agenda forward, like no one person can do that. Right. It really does take the masses. It does take a community, more specifically community, because you can have a whole group of people that are going in a direction that is not supportive. Right. But when you step back and you think about like people who have shared interests and shared values and shared commitments, right, to uh, making sure that uh, people feel seen and that they belong, that they feel heard, uh, that they feel like they have a place. Um, that's where leadership really shows up, right? That, because that's the moment when you're able to really uh, step into a community and share with folks that, um, you know, the only way that this work can happen is if I do it in partnership with you, if we do it together, if we do it in community. Um, and that's really what I love about um, the work that you're doing with New Visions is that you recognize that it, it, it can't just be one person. Like it really has to be a community um, that goes along on this journey together. There's so much more victory that, that you experience because it's not dependent upon one person's ideology, right? One person's thought process, but it really is about what does the collective say? Because there's so many different gifts in community. And when you pull those gifts together, you have more resources, you have more capacity, more bandwidth to really get the work done. Totally, totally. I'm thinking about how, um, how when we talk about collectivizing leadership, what are your ideas to break through this idea of individual heroic leader? Like on the like I'm thinking, and that's also the, the, the very interesting part of how to practically break this, uh, this individualistic approach towards leadership. I'm wondering if you have any ideas or practices that you uh, invite into your world that help you. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, right now I'm doing a lot of research around um, what is this notion around um, affinity groups, right? Uh, communities of practice, um, uh, community-based models, uh, professional learning communities. And all of these are um, spaces where there are multiple like leaders, right? Like there's space for multiple leaders and people get a chance to collaborate um, and share ideas. They share uh, thinking um, and thought processes. They challenge each other, right? Like what I am finding in my research and what the research is showing is that when people feel like they belong, when people feel like there is actually a curated space for themselves, there are emerging leaders that show up that you would not be able to see in traditional heroic leadership spaces, right? Because not everybody shows up as the charismatic person who is able to sit in front of a room of people and speak without being nervous, right? Like not everyone shows up in a way where they, um, they, they have had like years of experience, right? Leading groups with titles and positions and those kinds of things, but that does not negate the, the capacity, right? For other people to lead. And I think where it shows up uh, as being super important to understand in, in this like collective framework is that leadership manifests in different ways, right? Like there is, there's not a particular type of leader, right? Like there are many 
different types of leaders. Like there were people who were on the front lines and, and marching, right? But then there were women who were at home who were cooking meals for, for the children um, to eat and, and making sure that folks were learning so that they can continue to go to school and like making sure that, um, you know, that there were other parts of the movement that aren't as sexy, right? Like that people don't see that it takes leadership to get those done. You know what I mean? And it takes leadership uh, to be able to facilitate um, uh, just being able to keep stability while other people are, you know, on the front lines fighting in the fight, right? And so uh, I think that that's the power in really understanding why collective, like this collective model of leadership is important is because everybody has a place, everybody has a role. And if you create spaces like affinity groups or communities of practice or these things that I'm learning about professional learning communities, it, it validates that, it validates that. And it says that everybody has a, a place here. Everybody is welcome, everyone belongs and everyone's voice matters um, in this conversation. And I think when you find that, what we're seeing is that where there are spaces for these groups to, uh, to be held and emerge, you see higher success rates because people are approaching it um, from a collective model than just from one single leader trying to, to influence or move a group of people. Wow, this is amazing. <laughs> this is just like I had goosebumps on my body listening to you and thinking about, yeah, how much actually courage it takes and also self-reflection for people that uh, structurally are being put in a position of leadership. And I'm wondering about, you know, like being very aware that we live in a world that is uh, structured in a pretty violent way and is privileging uh, one people over another because of uh, gender, skin color, body ability. I, you know, and how much effort does it take really to infuse these collective uh, leadership ideas? Yeah, how to infuse and normalize these practices of sharing power in the structures that are so stiff and so comfortable yeah. with stiffness? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is challenging. You know, uh, I will just first name that, you know, uh, particularly speaking from approximate experience as a Black woman in America, like, it is challenging, right? Like, to push that envelope and to say, hey, like, there's another way that we could be doing this, right? I, I think a lot of it is around uh, increasing access to the table, right? Like, and not only, I don't just want to seat at your table, but I want to know and I want to experience that my voice, that my thoughts, uh, that the, the brilliance that I bring to the table. And I, when I say I, I'm, I'm speaking for so many people, right? Like place yourself in, in the place of I, right? We want to know that not only am I just sitting at this table as like for the, for the aesthetic purposes of, of being this like prop in the room, but that I, I have the space, the autonomy, um, the, the um, capacity to be able to use my voice for change, right? To use my voice as a voice of influence, um, not going as myself, but Maya Angelou said this um, in a poem that she wrote. She says, um, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. 
right? Like I, I, I may show up in a space, but know that I am not showing up just as myself, but I am carrying the, the voices, the hearts, the dreams of people that, uh, that I am, that I am in community with. Right. And so it is about creating more space. Right. So it's not just when I get to the table, then it's like my voice then opens the door for more people to enter into the room and enter into the space. Right. And so when you are in some of these very Western constrained uh, environments, uh, a huge part of it is saying, um, and, and pushing for the invitation, right? Like to, to, to sit at that table and Shirley Chisholm said it best, right? She said, if they don't give you room for, uh, or, or a seat at the table, then you bring a folding chair, right? Like you, you come to the table. And so sometimes I don't even need an invitation, right? Like, but, but what I am going to do is press that, uh, press for, um, space, right? I'm going to press for space, but not just for myself, right? But really pressing for space so that I can create more space for other people, for the community that I am, that I am um, in relationship with to be able to come to this table as well, or so that we can we can say, hey, listen, you sit at that table, but we have a table over here and we'll welcome you to this table if you're open to these ideas, if you're open to humanity and, and if you're open to justice and if you're open to, you know, righteousness and all of these things that help to advance our, our cultures and our societies to move forward, right? It, it really is about sometimes you you can create space, but sometimes you can't and you got to know how to direct your energy, right? Because you got to kind of do this uh, cost benefit analysis. Is it worth me like having to like fight so hard just to get at this table? Then for, then, then what happens as a result of me being at this table, right? Like if, if, if the, if the benefit outweighs like all of the challenges, then yes, press in that direction. But if, if you realize that you will have to conform and assimilate and you'll have to like dumb down and you have to water down and you don't need that table. You create your own table, right? And you create your own space, what you women are doing, right? You're creating your own space, right? For people to be invited in so that you can teach, so that you can lead from that, so that you can educate, so that you can create community around that. there's this certain level of admiration of how you balance uh, this, you know, this gentleness and spirituality with, with being clear and radical with your views. And yes. I'm from yes. one hand side, I'm, I'm really curious to think about, to ask you about how you, how you navigate through that and how you make it yeah. possible to embody that. But I'm also curious. Yeah. Um, I'm also curious about what make it possible for you to, how did you learn that maybe how did you got into the point mm. in which there is a space for gentleness and uh an awareness of our interconnectedness and spirituality while at the yeah. same time there is space for being very clear and radical when we talk about social justice and structural violence yes yes um how how did i learn uh through modeling through watching other people, right? This is this is where the power of community comes in because 
I didn't learn this like on my own and there's no book that I could have read, right? Like I do, obviously I read a lot of books. I read a lot of material. I do a lot of research, but that is not what, what teaches me how to like sit in this space. It is from experience. It is from being knocked down. It is from being disappointed and challenged, um, you know, um, but it's also from watching the, the, the people who I consider to be leaders in my lives, people that you all will never meet because, you know, they're, they, they, they might not be on television or they didn't write the latest best-selling book, but they were pillars in my life, you know, and in my community. I learned that from watching my mother. You know, I learned that from listening to my grandmother. I learned that from friends and community members who I value. And I, you know, I sat back and said, okay, I'm going to be quiet and be still so I can sit at your feet and learn, right? Like it was really about like, how do you, sometimes you have to take a step back and, um, and practice like this, this level of discipline to know that, uh, yes, there's power inside of you, but and not a but but it, it, it's it's an and a ways to exhibit that power sometimes it's just to be still and absorb and to watch and observe you know and so i i have been very um very adamant about what i call sitting at people's feet right like people that i admire people that i i i watch you know from a distance to say is something about this person. It is something about how they lead. It is something about how they move that is inspiring for me. And so I'll just like, you know, that's why mentorship is so important, right? Like that's why this notion of mentorship and sponsorship is so important because you, you, you learn so much just by sitting at someone's feet, as I call it, right? And watching them. And then you develop how you want to move through the space, how you want to move through the world, and you and you discover where your power is, um, and you discover how to like modulate that right accordingly. And so for me, that's what it was. It was watching other people, it was being mentored, it was sitting in community, um, it was it was sitting at the feet of leaders that no one will ever know about, you know, besides the people that are within the four blocks of this community, you know. Um, and really that's where like the power of proximate people come into play. It's these people who are living in the community, who are living these, these experiences that I, I learn from and I watch, you know, uh, that helps to inform how I kind of develop and show up as a leader in, in my own right. Just directly asking, what's the role of spirituality in your, in your practice? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's huge. It's foundational, right? And and I say this um, as an imperfect being, right? As a human with flaws, who I make mistakes daily, multiple times a day. I acknowledge that. I sit in that truth. Um, and so I I, I want to put that out there. Like this is not coming from someone who has it all figured out. It is from someone who. Uh, is very aware and conscious of the fact that I um, am flawed, uh, and in that, in 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 being flawed, I am still worthy and I am still powerful, right? Um, and I am still loved by um, uh, what I call God and the power that is placed inside of me because of that, 
you know, um, and it allows me to be grounded in knowing that I am truly here in this space, having this experience as a human um, for a reason. Like there is purpose, there is an assignment that I've been attached to. And when I remember that every day that I get up, I remember that I am on assignment and I remember it. I don't always, I am not always um, perfect in being able to walk that out because I am human, right? Like, and I do experience that, that part of being flawed, but as long as I am able to identify and put my finger on it and say, I'm on assignment. And this is what I have been assigned. And that assignment is broad, right? Like it's not just one track, like it's multi-hyphenated. It is is, uh, a myriad of things that that allow me to manifest uh, purpose in this assignment, but I'm on assignment. Like there is something that I am supposed to be doing. And that is what drives me on the days where, you know, sometimes you don't want to get out of bed. You're like, where's the world going? I'm so frustrated. Why aren't people as passionate about justice or this group of people like empathetic, you know, like those, those moments where you're just like, what's happening. Um, But then you remember that I'm here in this time in history uh, for a reason, right? And so it, it is that level of like, for me, when you, when you talk about spirituality, it's being able to like really tap into um, my, my own spirit and, and, and the spirit that I embody through the power of God for me, um, that allows me to always connect to a larger picture. Like, and in that, it is, it is, it is the remembrance of like, this is not about me being this heroic leader. It's really about, I'm, I have been placed on this earth to be in relationship, to be in community for a larger purpose. Right. And so then it, it always just directs me back to that. And that's when I, you know, sometimes we do get caught up in ego. We're human. Right. But that's when I have to just recalibrate and remind myself, no, 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 no. This isn't about me as an individual, but it is about how my assignment is tethered. Right and connected in this like network. If you think about a tree, right? Like you you just see this big tree, like with this one huge trunk with like many leaves and all the things you just think, oh, this is a tree. But what really makes a tree strong is that underneath the ground, the roots are literally tethered together and communicating with other trees uh, in in the in the field, right? Like in the space, in the forest, and so it's like that tree survives because it is in community and relationship and network with all of the other trees. And what you may see is this one standing trunk, but know that it is in community, right? And so I, I mentioned that to say that that is how I like to approach my understanding of like how I get to show up in the world is like, it's like that, right? And so um, it just reminds me that I can't do this alone. You can't do this alone. None of us can do it alone. We are here to be in relationship, to be in community um, and to be in contribution um, for, for a much greater purpose. Um, I love this metaphor. Yeah, it's just so um, resonating uh, and 
in me and also you know it instantly ma makes me think about my roots and where i take my energy from and you know how i share it further and who give i you know who i cover with my shadow wind or whatever somebody would need from me too and um yeah like one of, one of my questions my personal questions currently is and that's why i'm asking you about that too is um how to bridge the political work that we are doing in a sense uh how to bridge the political and spiritual uh being very aware that we function in a world where identity politics uh influences ex real experiences of human lives uh while being aware that we are much more than our politicized identities that we don't choose ourselves mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. that's that's a bit of my quest right now uh, personally thinking how to how to get through that um yeah how does it uh how does it uh sound for you or do you um like i know that there's different identity politics functioning in the us different in poland different in germany because it's all context sensitive mm -hmm. yet there are certain global mm -hmm. issues of sexism racism homophobia that are very pressed yes. and uh, yes Yes, and I'm wondering what are what are the like that that's kind of the bridge that I personally see very needed in the way we do our work. Because I oftentimes oftentimes think about our work as building bridges between different realities, mm -hmm. different worlds, and uh, um, I'm wondering what are the bridges that you would find important to create or you want to contribute to, or you think that are necessary, but it's not necessarily your job to create them. Mm. Yeah, uh, it, you know, it's a it's a big question. And um, I don't know that I have it all figured out necessarily. Um, but what I will say is that um, there is this notion of uh, belonging that resonates so deeply um, in my in my spirit, and even in my like my practical like research practitioner life um this notion of belonging like people want to know that they belong and i even believe um and this might be a radical belief that those who kind of perpetuate this notion of like hate and injustice and and those things do from do so from this place of not feeling like they belong right and so if they don't belong then they try to dismantle other spaces where people might connect to the feeling of of belonging and i think that this this notion of of belonging is for everyone right um and if 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 we're able to get it right and what i mean by that is if we're able to um step outside of ego into empathy right like into humanity um in a way that is it is just and um and like righteous and uh open and full of love for for everyone that we would see i believe personally seismic shifts and how people show up in the world you know and so I am fascinated with understanding how do you create spaces where people feel like they belong, mm -hmm. right? Like across 
uh, racial divides, across gender divides, across like uh, trans and 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 um, you know and uh, uh, spaces where people feel like the world has like placed them outside, right? Like just like literally like outside, we don't even see you. We don't even acknowledge how you identify with yourself, right? And how you identify in the world. Like if, if we were to really lean into what does it mean to create safe spaces for people to belong, I feel like it will create this like ripple effect, like this butterfly effect right um in the world where you would see like these big big changes in how people show up thereby how communities show up thereby how society shows up right because you have created spaces for people to belong that are safe that are healthy and that are open and i think that belonging is like that is the bridge. I, 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 you know, I've recently come into this like understanding and I wish that I could uh, articulate it in a more eloquent way, but there is something about this notion around belonging that I think is very central to this conversation. And you can put, you can put that with anyone, people who are differently abled, you know, people who, um, who uh, are struggling with mental health, uh, you know, uh, their mental health, depression, anxiety, like thoughts of suicide, those kinds of, like all of this, it, it's, it's rooted in this notion of like belonging, like having a space that is safe, um, where you can go and be your authentic self, show up just as you and it's enough, right? And so that is what I am learning um, is, uh, is the connector and all of the work that I've done with like social entrepreneurs and innovators and creators and um, artists and in all of these different spaces that I've been able to work in, um, what it boils down to is safe spaces and community and, and groups, right? Um, but then the underlining like theme and all of that is, well, why be in community? Well, in community, that's where I feel like I belong. You know, I feel like I belong there. I have space there. I have room there. And so that is what I see as kind of like being this bridge between all of these different worlds, right? Mm -hmm. It's like this notion of, um, of belonging. Like the, the idea of building bridges is, uh, is the one that can bring us closer to the worlds that we would like to live in. I believe the, the idea mm -hmm. of serving uh, for a greater good and creating a world where people can, people and not only people, other creatures also can uh, live with dignity and respect. Um, and uh, we happen to live in a world where um, there are many challenges and many difficulties. What is the biggest concern of yours when it comes to the world we live currently in? And I know there are many. I'm just wondering what's <laughs> the, yeah, what concerns you the most about the world? That's, you know, it's, it's so hard because like you said, there, there are so many. Um, and I could talk about things from like the lack of opportunities for girls to go to school uh, and get an education. I could talk about hunger and starvation. I could talk about disease and famine and all of these things. Um, 
But I think when I think about something that challenges me the most, I, I step back into my own experience and my own skin and my own identity. Um, and I think about what does it mean to be Black in America? What does it mean to be a Black woman in America? There's no way that I could change that identity about like myself and how I, you know, like you said, there are these politicized identities that we don't choose often, right? Um, but when I think about um, particularly the challenges, um, you know, in the Black community as a whole and, and, and the egregious uh, violence that happens, uh, you know, often against both Black men and women and, and those who are, are non-binary and don't identify, you know, as, as either, right? Like, there, I, I think to my experience just as a Black woman and um, the fact that uh, our obesity rates and our hypertension rates and, and heart disease and all of that are just so disproportionately larger than so many other groups in this country. Um, it's heartbreaking. And I, I have lived experience of what it means to, to fight for your existence as a Black woman in this country and essentially lose the human side of that battle because your body just was exhausted, you know, and, and gave out. You know, my own mother died from heart disease and obesity and, you know, all of these things because she was literally carrying the weight of her identity in the world and how, how, she, how she exists in this world. Like, in her physical body, right? And so, you know, thinking about like, what does that mean? High, highest like uh, infant mortality rates in, in the country, you know what I mean? Like all of these, all of these things. And I think about like, as a black woman, what is my responsibility as this lived identity, as this woman having this experience, um, as a person who identifies as a black woman, like what is my responsibility um, in this fight for, uh, for space, for belonging, to exist, you know, um, to be valued and cherished for the brilliance um, and the courage and all the things that we bring, you know, you know to this country and, and to this society. And, you know, uh, thinking about just in our recent political um, uh, elections and everything, just thinking about women like Stacey Abrams, right? And she's not the only one. And she will say that I didn't do this alone, right? I did this in community with, with uh, millions, literally of other people, right? Like, but it's, it, it's, it's, how do we look at the contributions that women like us have given to this country, you know, um, oftentimes feeding and, and caring for, for, white children who grow up to then hate us and hate our own children and desire to murder them and lynch them and and oppress them and you know what i mean like it's just this continuous trauma that we experience and so for me it, it never goes away right uh, so i i want to be clear but like it has been elevated in a way that i think now that i'm older right and and now that i've lived a little bit you know what I mean? Um, and have different experiences that 
there is something about this, uh, you know, and it's women of the diaspora. It's not just like black women in America, but it's Afro Latina, you know, it's, it's Afro Caribbean. It is, you know, and so I'm, I'm trying to understand what is my role in, in helping this community, right. To feel seen and heard and belong. And, and how do we create more space for us to be able to show up authentically? Um, so, so that is, um, there are many things, right, mm-hmm. that I could talk about that are important to me. But um, I, again, I step back into my own lived experience as to what, what is really like plaguing me at night these days. know how important role of uh, hope and joy is in our work and uh, mm-hmm. what are your your fields where you find hope and joy in the work you are doing knowing yeah. you're confronted with uh, big challenges as uh, and yeah difficulties that you're sharing just before yeah yeah um, y- you know I, I find um, hope and joy in uh my community you know uh i find it in um and creating like rituals uh with friends and myself you know of of uh spending time with each other or having conversations or or laughter and and comical relief you know and uh art right and the beauty of like movement and so dance and and sound um for me those are those are ways that i kind of tap back into that joy you know um and i'm not just saying this because she's like this world phenomenon but i i think about like beyonce right um and i so listen i i'm dating myself here because I grew up with, I literally grew up with Beyonce. Like I remember when she first like started with Destiny's Child, like people don't even know who Destiny's Child is anymore. And like, so I remember that I had the first album, like I just remember, right? And so it's just like, right? And so, but I remember, so I remember it wasn't just Beyonce, it was Destiny's Child. And then I remembered her like evolving over her career. And what I, what I, why I mentioned this is because I think that, it is, it is a part of this notion of understanding what your assignment is, right? And, uh, you know, Beyonce has, like, she, she went from, like, pop culture to, like, just this really, like, very introspective, uh, reflective um, type of communicate, communicating of, of her work, right? Like, so where it's like, oh, she got real clear on, like, how she shows up in this world and how she wants to use her gift to like communicate the beauty and the joy and the breadth and the vastness of like black culture, culture that has literally swept this entire globe, right? Black culture. Um, but, but, but like creating a space where she, she no longer worried about what other people were going to think about it and literally created it for the purposes of us being able to, like us, I mean, like the world being able to celebrate in this type of joy. So I think about like her newest work, Black is King, which is a beautiful artistic piece that just reminds me personally of like 
where I come from and the, the rich history of like, even though I can't tell you the tribe and I don't know the language that I spoke or, you know, like I, I can't tell you those things, but what I can, what I am sure of is that I come from courage and beauty and like strength and, you know, like the, and so that is, it's like tapping into those things is what reminds me of like the hope and the joy in all of this. It's like, yes, there's tragedy and injustice that is happening um, more often than it needs to, than it should be happening. And there is also joy and, and creativity and hope and beauty and like movement, right. Um, that we hold, you know what I mean? And so, uh, that, that's how I kind of wrestle or, or create a balance between the two worlds is like knowing this, um, and being able to go to like things like this, go to, words from Audre Lorde, you know, go to words from James Baldwin or put on Nina Simone and like, just really be encouraged by all of the beauty that was birthed out of like pain and despair and all of the, these things that like these artists uh, have been able to like you use and leverage, you know, uh, for, for joy and for hope, you know? And so that's that's like my personal practice of like how I kind of navigate um these two worlds it's beautiful it's really beautiful yeah and uh because I see that it's already seven and I feel that I could speak to you like for the next three hours but I also would like to be mindful <laughs> about the time that we are having um so I'll just ask you one more question that we um sure. always close these conversations with and uh, it's a question about one grounding practice that you use that mm -hmm. helps you stay in balance that you use and um, you would be willing to share with us yeah um, so there there is a book called the artist's way um, it is by Julia Cameron and there is a practice that I adopted called morning pages and uh, it is the practice of just literally writing, um, no intention, no agenda, just free writing. Um, and I, I use that as a way for me to ground myself, uh, for me to create space. Uh, even when I am unsure of what it is that I wanna communicate, I just write. And oftentimes within those pages, is where I find um, the answers, right, to questions that I didn't know I had, you know, and so that is, that is my practice, um, is to just be able to get to the page and just release and write um, and, and allow myself the freedom to be imperfect and open and vulnerable um, and without judgment. Amazing. Thank you. I I also do morning pages. It's uh, yes. Yeah, and it's all like especially when you say this, allowing myself to be imperfect. When I was starting doing it, it's insane. Yeah. Like so many times, I would stop writing. Just like oh, it doesn't make sense. Why would I write it? And then like you know to go through that, it doesn't matter. Yes. 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 It's so powerful. It is so powerful. 
Thank you so, so much. I feel that I have still like hundreds of questions and I hope that we'll be able to continue this conversation. And it's... Yes, thank you. Well, I, I'm honored that we, we get a chance and, and particularly today got a chance to share space. Um, thank you for, for asking me questions and um, the opportunity to, to just share. Uh, so I'm truly honored by that. Thank you for listening to New Visions for Healing. I'm Agnieszka Buatik. And I'm Mina Djordjevic. The music you heard is composed and played by Mina Djordjevic.